Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service on top of that. Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com folks you are listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website which is topetro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, let's start off. There's still a lot of reverberations, uh, a lot on this Mar-a-Lago raid. We've certainly learned a little bit as as we've you know gone along and, and acquired more information since the raid first hit. Um, and now there's a little bit of a battle of whether or not the affidavit should be released but i want to walk it through um i have a number of questions but want to start off just some of your where you are right now in regards to what happened with that raid well it's it's we still don't really know so very much about what they have who the informants are uh, who are the affiants? Um, what's the source of information that would have gone into the affidavit? I, I think you've been spot on with your sort of um, warning to people or keep an open mind sort of, we don't really know enough to have conclusions as to exactly what happened here. We don't know if they've got more information, damaging information that could result in uh, criminal charges being brought against Donald Trump. Um, you know, depending on your source of news, you can think that this is all a government setup to hurt Trump politically. You can consume news from other sources where you think the guy's about to be indicted every day. We just don't know. Now, the government's saying, that um, they don't want to release the affidavit because it could divulge um, sensitive um, uh, top secret information. It could reveal the identity of the informants, uh, if there were informants on the inside or how they gleaned the information that they gleaned. Um, they may not also want to show how specific or non-specific the affidavit was. Certainly if the affidavit is produced, um, it's going to be picked over every every comma, every period, every letter in that thing. There'll be questions about whether the judge exercised appropriate discretion in signing the search warrant, whether there was a sufficient amount of facts set forth in the affidavit. Um, there is a certain compelling interest that the government has to keep some of this material confidential. Um, it seems to me it could be appropriately redacted so that maybe you don't want to give the names of informants if there were informants, let's say, but provide enough information as to what the basic things that were being looked for. Where is this stuff supposed to be found in, within um, Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago? Um, what was the need to go searching through Melania's closets for information? How broad was the um, 
um, the affidavit in terms of what they were looking for and where they expected to find it. As has been appropriately discussed in many quarters, John, you know, the government's supposed to use the least invasive means available to try to get the information they're seeking. Yep. Um, this has been going on all summer from J June to when they executed the warrant. Oh. Um, they could have certainly attempted to get a subpoena to get to extract the information they wanted. Um, we're hearing lots of stories. Well, the feds agreed with Trump that if they simply added an extra lock on this information, that would be sufficient. That doesn't seem plausible. If this is top secret information, if it's yep. sensitive information, it doesn't seem like Mar-a-Lago is the right place to be storing this stuff and to throw an extra lock on it doesn't seem like the solution. So when the Trump camp is saying, oh, they just told us to put another lock on it and we'd, we'd figure it all out later. Uh, that doesn't sound right that's, to me at all. That's their version of events of what, yes. they, were, what they were told. And, and Tim Dodd, when you go into the, you know, what we've learned about it, um, th this talk about, you know, potential espionage and, and, and some of the acts that are involved, um, you know, it, it, it's frightening. It's not, it's not the type of thing you hear that often, but it, it, it sounds, it sounds like it's, it's very heavy potential penalties that that fall under the umbrella of some of these potential charges here. And, and none of it makes sense. And mm. you've you've talked about it very thoroughly on your air. And I think your analysis has been amongst the very best. Um, I can't think of the Trump lawyer who went out on a limb saying in some sort of an affidavit or verification to the feds that there was no further top secret or sensitive material mm. um, at Mar-a-Lago. That lawyer could be in for a rough ride. Yeah. Um, did that lawyer independently verify it? Did that lawyer mm. take the president's word for it? And if this sensitive material was there, what the heck was it doing there? Why would Trump yeah. want to have this? And, you know, he knows mm. what it is and he knows what the feds have been asking for. I mean, if he was trying to cover up material, which is one of the other speculations out there, if he was trying to hold on to things that might be damaging as it relates to, let's say, um, the January 6th inquiry, I get why he might want to sit on that and try to keep right. that from the feds. Um, but that's not espionage material. No. That's not no. nuclear code material or anything yeah. like that. Um, so if it is the specter of espionage information codes or anything of that nature, it seems foolhardy that President Trump would try to hold on to that and say, now nah, I've declassified that, so everything's cool. I can keep it all here at my residence. <laughs> well, I mean, and I know that that, folks, again, was we with Attorney Tim Dodd. I, Tim, I mean, it's again, it's my understanding you learned from following this, but if something's de declassified, that actually means that it could be subject to a public records request. So if, if he looks at uh, just, you know, hypothetical where CIA agents are living in different parts of the world, and then he can't just say, oh, this is now declassified. And then, you know, the New York Times could submit a public records request. I mean, that, that just doesn't sound right. I'm curious if you've seen his attorney, Christina Bob, with some of these appearances on Laura Ingram. It's... It's uncomfortable, to say the least. Uh, Laura Ingram has a legal background. Uh, it almost seems frustrated, definitely patient with her. But, you know, th this was the attorney that initially said that President Trump was watching the raid with his, you know, the, his Melania in from New York after they had said they had to turn it off and that maybe they had planted evidence. Um, and, and then she, she just doesn't seem to have a firm handle on. I, I'm just curious if you happen to catch any of her her appearances. I mean, I, and again, I fully get it's a tough position to be in, but it's um, it, it's not exactly like it's Bob Bennett or some of these high profile Washington type attorneys that we've seen in the past. Yeah, she's a relatively young lawyer, yeah. relatively speaking. Uh, she does have a certain pedigree. I guess she was a JAG officer. She's sure. done time at the State Department. She's had governmental positions. But you know, with all the money that President Trump apparently mm. has, I mean, 
who did he surround himself with after <laughs> the election? He had yeah. Sidney Powell, Powell, who laid it. She laid an egg. She didn't do anything. Yeah. Lynn Wood didn't do anything. Rudy's Rudy, been a disaster. Who we're going to get to? Yeah, Jenna Ellis. I mean, it's, not it's, exactly top draw here. And I and I don't understand if top attorneys shy away from Trump because mm. they think their firm will lose business if they associate with him. You know, there is a certain you know political angle to law firms and who they represent and who they decline to represent. But I, I don't think he has the right team assembled no. to um, give him the best representation that he can certainly afford to have right. the very best lawyers out there if they're willing to work for him. Mm. Um, I, I don't get it from that perspective. I find that the attorney you, you referred to, I can't think of her name, is she's not very impressive. No, Christina Bob. Yeah. And it sounds oh, yeah. like she's been making misstatements. Yes. Now, those misstatements could su subject her to disciplinary action within the legal profession. If she's mm. making false claims, false affidavits, whatever the case might be, to federal authorities, and she knows or should know that what she's making representations of are not true, or she doesn't mm. know if it's true or false, um, she could be in some really hot water. Yeah. Also, Tim Dodd, I, I, I was reflecting on the Aaron Hernandez case when, you know, it came out that he apparently went in and was, was trying to anyhow erase some of his own home surveillance. But, you know, Mar-a-Lago, you, you're talking about you, you have the Secret Service there because you have the former president there. So you, you obviously have, I would imagine, the finest surveillance system that they have. You have the Secret Service involved there on the premises guarding President Trump. Um, when you have the FBI and the DOJ requesting surveillance photo because the film from because from what I understand, they, you know, they would watch that every time that the DOJ would contact some of the Trump representatives, there'd then be movement with certain boxes of material that they were storing there. Um, I, I, I got to think that the Secret Service, they're, they're a branch of government. They're going to fully cooperate with the FBI. This isn't like you call the golf course and tell the guy you know, shut off the, the video camera in the, in the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, and you have to assume that DOJ has been in contact with the agents, work, the Secret Service agents, mm. who have basically been um, spies in Trump's house. Yes, yeah. And that must be, it has to be the source of... Um, what went into that affidavit and you okay. know if the judge is confronted we're speculating but if the judge is confronted with an affidavit where mm. you know secret service officer xyz says he's he observed this or she observed that um that's pretty good mm. information to go by um if that's in fact what happened i mean yeah. there's got to be a source inside um Mar-a-Lago, which was giving information back to uh, the feds, to DOJ and or the FBI. Um, so all the people who think this is a, tr a phonied up allegations to damage uh, Trump no. politically, no. Yeah. Um, there may be a component of that. I mean, there's certainly lots of aspects floating around that don't make sense you know joe biden says he had no idea this was happening he was right. out of the loop i don't believe that i don't think yeah. anyone believes that but mm. to not be straight with the public on such a simple piece of the puzzle i think does lead to skepticism on other aspects of this thing but mm. I, I certainly don't have any reason to think that Donald Trump is out of the woods, you know, from a, from a criminal standpoint mm. and that he's going to be able to get out of this saying that this is just another witch hunt to hurt him politically. Yeah. Uh, I think tactically he is doing the right thing to say, release the affidavit. I have no interest in keeping that confidential. I need to know what's in there so I can defend against it. And when he's saying release it and the feds are trying to cover and not release what's in there. The optics are very favorable from a political standpoint for Trump. But um, 
you know, the old adage is careful what you wish for. If that affidavit comes out and it has things that we don't know about right now, and you've been saying that on your show a lot, that, you know, be careful before you draw conclusions because we really don't still know much of anything about what's in that affidavit. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care, Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. At Med Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, At Med Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals, they're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to stay on the um, the, the Trump uh, situation just for a moment. Um, what, what people don't understand is these investigations, uh, they take a long time. Uh, you're talking about the DOJ, the FBI. They have surveillance tapes to go through. They, it sounds like they have cooperating witnesses. And it, I think you're right as far as potentially it seems like it could be Secret Service right there on the property observing these things at Mar-a-Lago. Um, th- this could be – he could be in for quite the long haul. Yeah, and the, the backdrop of this, as we've seen from the 2016 campaign in particular, is um, the FBI and the DOJ – and really any prosecutorial authority attempts to not bring charges and not do this type of thing in the middle of an election cycle because of the um, um, influence it can have on the voting public. Now, let's assume the FBI and DOJ say, this can't wait. This is so serious that it really can't wait. And when you folks all find out what was in the affidavit, you'll understand why we had to do this now and we couldn't wait. And that remains to be seen if it was that serious and that urgent that it had to be done right now. I'm sure if you're the FBI and DOJ, you're thinking, well, it's August It's only going to get worse if we wait and do all this in September or October. Mm. Right. Um, You know, we are in the thick of the midterms. And as soon as the midterms are over, we're off to the races for the 2024 presidential. So if Trump is going to be a candidate or we think he's going to be a candidate and this is out there, I mean, the feds can't sit on this until after the 2024 election cycle. If there's something... You know, there's there's a difficult decision they have to make is when they um, act on what they think they've got. Uh, perhaps this is the earliest that they could do it, and they wanted to get it done as far away from the midterms as possible. Who knows? I mean, that's the mm. thing. We could the speculation business is a great business, but we really don't know. Um, which is very frustrating, which leads to all sorts of theories and misconceptions and, you know, um, urban legends that develop around this. I I think you've been um, counseling your listeners correctly to don't rush to any conclusions. Keep an open mind. There's still a lot that we have to learn about this situation. And Tim Dobb, we've learned, you know, Merrick Garland, for whatever people think, it it sounds like he did really weigh this back and forth. You're still talking about the FBI, the highest levels, the Department of Justice, highest levels, this business of saying the FBI planted things inside his safe don't seem. But the one other part I I just want to touch on before we move on and that some people may not realize, you're not talking about mementos of, you know, him throwing out the first pitch while he was president. When you're talking about highly classified material and think about how that could affect the world as far as 
various operations we have, nuclear capabilities, uh, addresses of people that cooperate. There, there are governments, Saudi Arabia, other governments that might pay literally. You could be sitting on information that is worth literally billions of dollars. So I, I know it sounds extreme, but something that has not been answered is why would you be sitting on that information? Why, why would you even have that at Mar-a-Lago? And unless I've missed something, I don't even hear an attempted explanation of why someone would be sitting on that type of information. Well, I, I don't think that the Trump team has quite uh, corroborated what was taken with any specificity. Right. Um, you know, they like to talk about the, the, the feds took Trump's passports and they like to talk about that it was, you know, the pardon for um, um, Roger Stone and things like that. Um, but the Trump team hasn't come out and said, we've done an inventory of our own and here's what was taken. Remain healthy. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Poppin' and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585 diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. I don't think they can because to the extent any of the material could be considered classified, hmm. um, what's he going to do? If he comes out with it, he's going to compound the problem that he's in right now. It, it's, it's inexplicable why he would be keeping top secret stuff if yeah. that's what it really was. And yeah. if he thinks he could just wave a wand and say... <laughs> I make this all, you know, um, not um, right. top secret. Like, like Jesus watered a wine at the uh, the wedding. <laughs> but again, I don't know who is advising him before before yeah. this um, uh, warrant was served and executed at Mar-a-Lago. Who's he listening to? Who's advising yeah. him? I if it's know. this lawyer that's been on oh, Laura Ingram's show, then he's God. in real trouble. But yeah. I mean. These are extraordinarily complicated, sensitive mm. questions, which I don't know if, you know, President Trump thought it through or if he mm. doesn't have the political, you know, experience with this type of thing that he didn't either understand what he was doing, was misadvised about what he could keep. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you that those who are on the Trump train better um, keep a keep a careful eye on what's happening because yeah. this has the potential to go the wrong way. Yeah. Now, speaking of that, Tim Dodd, let's just uh, hypothetical. If you were the attorney for Rudy Giuliani, what is your reaction when he he is informed in Georgia that he is in fact the the target of this uh, this investigation and grand jury going on in Georgia? Well, it's it's not surprising, and yeah. I think Rudy announced he was going to testify. Um, certainly, mm -hmm. Rudy should be pleading the fifth. He shouldn't say yeah. a damn thing. Uh, he's already made a, a mess of on every legal front. I mean, I don't know where his head is, um, but he, he really, really should just shut up, plead yeah. the fifth. No more interviews, no more talk, no more anything. And he's still if they doing wanna, a talk show. He's still doing it, a talk show in New York. It doesn't make I mean, any sense. It stands to no reason. I don't think they fully comprehend what's happening here. This is serious. Uh, how many times have I said on your ear, if, if you think that you might be in the middle of something, yeah. shut up. Right. Don't say yes. anything. Don't come up with yeah. a story. Don't try to explain yourself. 
don't help the, 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 the investigating authorities to prove a case against you. Um, you, you know, there's a transcript. Of course, he's not under oath, but there's a transcript of every single word he says on these talk shows. That's right. Um, Mm. And I don't know who his legal advisors are, oh. or if he's willing to take legal advice, or if he yeah. thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. The old adage is, you know, the lawyer who represents himself has a fool for a client. So if Rudy's right. taking his own legal counsel, he's making an extraordinarily bad mistake. Yeah. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 I'm going to move on to some other stories. Uh, Tim Dodd, defamation suit about election falsehoods puts Fox on its heels. I I mean, you tell me, I would imagine they would like to try to settle this, but they're still dealing with some of the damage from 2020. They are. And, you know, everything that every talking head on uh, Fox uh, News has said has been transcribed, parsed, and, you know, those who have brought these suits, especially um, Dominion, the um, election software people, uh, they've got a certain amount of information. The whole thing is, you know, most of these shows are opinion shows. Laura Ingram provides opinion. She has a guest who give their opinion, as does Tucker, as does Hannity. Um, so when... Hannity, let's say, by way of example, says something, oh, that, you know, this software was designed to fail. This software was designed to be manipulated. Is he giving it his opinion or is he is he saying something on the air that his viewers should take as he's stating a fact of what he believes to be true? Hmm. It, 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 it's a tricky wicket it when... Is. When, when an opinion talk show says something um, you know, versus not, I, I think that, you know, Fox News ultimately has to pay out a ton of money to make this oh. go away because yeah. I've looked at a lot of what the talking heads have said um, as an affirmative declaration, you know, that uh, Dominion is you know, designed to be manipulated. Their software right. is designed to fail. Those are pretty emphatic statements. Yeah, and, and we if, talked about it at the time. Lou Dobbs yeah. with Sid Powell released the Kraken. I mean, it right then, it was, but Tim Dodd, it's the ultimate either put up or shut up, but they, they certainly never put up. They never put up. They never no. put up anything. And, you know, the, to, the, to the folks who think that the election was stolen and, you know, I think uh, President Trump wanted to believe those around him saying that it had been stolen. I guess it's only natural to think it was stolen. But those lawyers, by what mm-hmm. they said early on, well, I'm going to release the crack and especially Sidney Powell, <laughs> um, you know, people... As we've said before, many times the first story is not the right story. And yeah. that goes for this one, too. So people are like, oh, she's got the Kraken and nothing <laughs> ever happened. I mean, no. she laid a total egg. She didn't she, did. she didn't produce anything. Nothing. Zero. All right, folks, quick break. Much more head legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show. We're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to go through some other legal stories. What do you make of this Patrick Reed launching $750 million lawsuit? Well, why not a billion? Why stop with $750 <laughs> right. million? 
I mean, you can, it's easy to file a lawsuit. It's easy to make allegations. Sure. It's, it creates a new story when your attorney says, I want $750 million. Certainly that's a headline that's going to get you some, you know, clicks on the internet and get people to read articles. Um, this guy is amongst the players who are playing in this live um, um, golf. Yeah. golf scenario that Saudi Arabia has created. But I guess, and I'm, I'm not a guy that follows golf very much, but this guy won the Masters, I think, in 2018. He's a pretty good golfer, but there's also this innuendo that he kind of bends the rules or outright cheats, and they've got yeah. him on video, moving his ball, improving his lie, you know, doing things, you know, that if you're a real golfer, you would know these rules that he's bending to the extreme or outright Mm. breaking. So when he says he's been defamed, um, the adage also is in the law that if you're, somebody sues you for um, defamation or slander or libel, truth is an absolute defense. So, if you know the people on the golf network are saying that you know he's he's a cheater or he's not a reputable guy or things of that nature, and he says you're defaming me, they could say, well, let's go to the videotape. You know, right. what do you think about this one? Yeah. What do you think about this one? What do you think about that one? And they've got apparently videos of him doing these um, very questionable things. Yeah. In, in the course of a match, so if he's got the reputation of being a cheater and they talk about him as a cheater um, and they can say, well, it's true. Here he is cheating. Right. Well, then true there's fits. not going to be much of a case. Now, yeah. all of the players who are going along with this live organization are being disparaged by, if you will, the mainstream golf press sure. yep. uh, because these are like the rebels. These are the guys who are going against the grain Um, traders traders i mean certainly they've got a financial self-interest in going with live because they've got guaranteed money they're going to get um it may cheapen the competition of of the the guys that remain just on the pga tour but i don't think that um criticizing this guy as being amongst the players who are doing the live um organization that's not defamation necessarily, and that's not libel necessarily. So, you know, it's nice to file a lawsuit. It's nice to say I want $750 million. You're going to get first-day press coverage, but I think he's got a very steep hill to climb to prove defamation at all. And if he does, you know, the money damage component would never be anywhere near, you know, that number. It's, it's, it's a number that gets you some flip publicity but it doesn't mean you can prove it any uh, surprise on this uh, the three men arrested after the fights on black island pleading not guilty i i think i caught that someone was had some harsh words and was criticizing the way the state police handled this um well the three guys that um were arrested uh, apparently each of them has um a rap sheet of yeah. you know some um one guy's rap sheet goes back to like 2005. One guy's goes back to like 2010. So they've all have a history with the criminal justice system. Um, it's only natural that at your arraignment, you're going to plead not guilty. Yep. It would, it would never be expected that you'd do anything other than plead not guilty. There's video of what went on. Um, that, you know, as we've seen before, videos, can mean what you want them to mean. You know, the first look at a video sometimes is not the full story. If they get good counsel, who can really parse the videos that are available frame for frame? Do they have self-defense arguments? Um, I'm sure that's part of what they're going to be putting forth. So it's not a surprise that they would plead not guilty and see what they can do to, you know, work, work on a plea deal. I, I doubt these cases would ever go to trial. Yeah. Tim Dodd, you know, in the past, we've had attorney generals sit silent. You know, Peter, Attorney General Peter Verona, the, the guy, the, his office is so transparent uh, regarding this North Smithfield situation. No immediate charges in the North Smithfield hazing investigation. I, I just give him credit because he even comments when they're not 
bringing charges, just, just, you know, sometimes not just if they're bringing charges, but not. And it, it sounds as if they've, they've run into a situation, number one, you have minors, and number two, and sometimes can be the nature of things, whether it's minors or the fact that it's athletes, but apparently people are not speaking or um, cooperating with this investigation. No, and I agree. You have to give Peter Narona credit to say, you know, this is hazing that's allegedly been going on and it's um, doesn't put the North Smithfield athletic program or these participants in a very good light. But, you know, so far the investigation has not come up with anything that could be charged criminally. Um, you're right, either because of lack of cooperation or simply nothing that amounts mm. to a criminal charge i mean if if that becomes the standard I, and again i was never in a fraternity but when you hear about what goes on with hazing i mean most of the stuff that goes on could be considered you know potentially criminal the only yeah. difference being is the participants are willful participants they know right. what's going to happen to them sure so you know it's not necessarily an unwanted touching which would be for an assault or a battery, if you know that you're going to go through this hazing process and you're going to be subjected to some um, unpleasant things, embarrassing things. I mean, you're, you're, you're signing up for it. You know it's coming your way. Mm -hmm. it's, so I think from a criminal perspective, if there was something more that got into like some sort of a... Um, Oh, an inappropriate sexual touching or something like that. Obviously, sure. charges would come of it. But, you know, if, it, if it's not there, it's not there. And credit to Peter Narona to say, right now, it's not there. Two more stories. One, but you don't see this word that often, but Providence man sentenced possessing nearly two kilos of cocaine and faces deportation. That is not a line we see that often, Tim Dodd. No, and, you know, he got, I forget what he got, like, I think 16 months to serve, but he's already served that in pretrial detention. So essentially, it's a time served sentence. And now he'll be turned over uh, to INS for deportation proceedings, which, you know, could take a considerable, considerable amount of time. But it isn't often that we see the follow through um, on the part of the feds to right. um, pursue the deportation element. The guy had a, a, a considerable, considerable amount of narcotics. Um, I was surprised that the sentence was as light, if you will, uh, as it in fact was. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he would have caught more time, but perhaps they're just anxious to get to the deportation element and try to get him the heck out of here. So they said, all right, time served, but now we're going to try to get rid of you. So um, hats off to the feds for at least trying to deport this guy. And Tim Dodd, finally, uh, Nick Aliverdi, I mean, he's been in and out of the news. And now here we go, Rhode Island man accused of faking her death, third sexual misconduct. It, it sounds like, you know, all his games and everything else that uh, this, this, to me, this sounds like it's a long road ahead, both the fact he's still overseas and then facing the charges in this country. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very astonishing set of facts with this guy. Yeah. Um, he's dodged many bullets. Um, yeah. I think he enjoy. He he must, John, enjoy the cat and mouse aspect of this. You know, yeah. to think that he's smarter than anyone else in the room, and he's played yeah. these games, and he's come up with an identity, etc. But it's easy enough to get fingerprints and it's easy enough to um, get pictures of tattoos and other, you know, body embellishments, which um, pretty clearly show that he is the same guy as this guy, Mr. Knight, that he claims to be in Scotland, you know, for all of these three sexual assault cases, he could be, if one, two or three of them were proved the rest of his life behind bars. Wow. And that's, that's just on the criminal end in the state of Utah. He's mm -hmm. also got the um, criminal charges for scamming people out of money. That's still pending. So if and when he gets back to the States, he is going to spend years fighting mm -hmm. off all the charges that he's racked up. Mm -hmm. um, and he will come back. And I, I think yeah. the court system uh, in Scotland has had it with him. 
Um, you know, they, they were patient. They allowed him to play some of his games. Um, but I think they've had it with him. And yeah. I think his extradition to the States is a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get to stay there. Tim Dodd, finally, as we wrap up, just circling back on the President Trump stuff, just your experience as an attorney in law, in representing people and so forth. I, it, one thing that, and again, I say this as, as, and these are my words as a Trump supporter, but what is somewhat concerning is it seems like the changing narrative of this this whole thing from the Monday night of the FBI planted this, and then, you know, then they're saying that well, they, you know, the lawyer went on and said well, they were watching the whole thing, so that kind of eliminates that, and it's just like a witch hunt, and then they release more information. Um, I'm just curious your experience in dealing with. It sounds like it would be a difficult client to have simply because the narrative keeps – it does. It just keeps changing. Well, you, you can imagine if I had the honor or the challenge of representing Donald Trump, I yeah. would say to him in, in the most respectful way possible, shut up. Stop, <laughs> right. Stop talking. talking. Stop, Stop talking. You're not yeah. helping yourself. Like no. any other person who's – trying to talk their way or BS their way out of what seems to be in front of them. Stop doing it. It's, it's, Mm. it's good for public consumption for PR and for politics. But the big problem for him is if this turns into a criminal indictment and Mm. all of the, um, the positive reinforcement of Trump supporters right now, you hear people saying, I'm back on the Trump train. They're screwing him, blah, blah, yeah. blah. That might be short-lived. And yeah. you're right. He's So many stories are coming out of the Trump camp. Oh. Um, they should just shut up. I don't know yeah. how I, else to I, say I, it. And, and, and I think it's been accurately described. He confuses um, a, a legal problem with a PR problem and thinking yes. that it can, the PR problem can be fixed. I, one of the first things I would say is stop putting that attorney on with Laura Ingram because, I mean, that is someone that just has a shovel. Somebody told, somebody reported back that they'd given back all the classified information they were looking for. That clearly was not the case. Somebody's going to be on the hook for that. Folks, he is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. The Senadale Revival. Stop in and see them. Comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Joining us right now, he is the president of National Right to Work. It's our friend Mark Mix. And uh, first of all, Mark, good to hear from you. I'd love to hear and have you tell people about these targeted assassins. Yeah, John. Well, thanks for the opportunity to talk with you about this. This is all a, a continuation of a story that basically broke about two and a half weeks ago where the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation uh, had the privilege of representing a flight attendant that had worked for Southwest Airlines for over 20 years, had an unblemished employment record. And when she started talking to the union officials about the radical stands they were taking with her money that she had to pay as a condition of her keeping her job because she's under the covered by the Railway Labor Act, which gives union officials the privilege of forcing workers to pay them for the privilege of working or for the right to work. Um, when she objected to some of the things they were doing, the union bosses went to Southwest Airlines and demanded that she be fired because she was harassing through private emails and private Facebook messages to the union official that she uh, that she disagreed with what the union was doing. And so Southwest Airlines complied with the union demand. They fired her. And then in the course of a jury trial that that rewarded our plaintiff, Charlene Carter, with a $5.1 million judgment, we found out that the email traffic between union activists and Southwest Airlines basically included language of how we needed to do targeted assassinations of these rebellious union, you know, represented workers like Charlene, and that they were a cancer in the workplace and they needed to be eliminated. And obviously they... I don't know if they were talking literally or believe that literally, but certainly when they were talking about these things, they were targeting those workers that would stand up for their rights in the workplace to basically object to what the union was doing with their forced fees 
politically and on ideological issues, they disagreed with it. It's really an amazing story, but it's not surprising to us, John, and it shouldn't be surprising to other people because union officials, while they claim to represent these workers, they have an ideology and, and exercise it politically in ways oftentimes that are totally divergent from what these workers they claim to represent believe. Folks, again, we're speaking with Mark Mix. And Mark, but that type of language, targeted assassins, what's been the reaction within uh, Southwest? Well, they're trying to keep it quiet from what I understand, and I don't know how Southwest is dealing with the fact that union activists were communicating through email with with actually employees of Southwest Airlines about this in their HR department, but I assume they need to pay attention to it because that type of, you know, kind of off-the-cuff comments about, you know, one worker who was a a black lady who was, you know, going to mobilize people and was a cancer inside the workplace – and had to be, you know, eliminated uh, from the workforce, I imagine, you know, you'd think that they would respond to that dramatically and immediately. As far as we know, they haven't at this point. But what we do know is that when the jury heard the facts of how all of this stuff transpired and how Charlene Carter's rights were violated and her employment was ended because all she did was speak up about things the union was doing, and it wasn't even a conversation with the airline, John. It was a conversation with the union officials themselves, and the union officials felt offended by her views and decided they wanted to have her fired. So hopefully there'll be more coming from it. And the one thing I think I do know that is going to happen is that hopefully other workers will see this and will have the courage to stand up and fight back against this type of compulsion and force. Folks, again, um, uh, Mark, I also I think it's interesting that one of the things that they went after her on was she opposed that Women's March on, on D.C., and, and that was in 2017 after President Trump came in office. And, and the important part about that that I think that, you know, the media sometimes ignores that people need to understand is a lot of these types of protests, they, they don't come together organically. These are organized. They're, it's mandatory un, some unions to attend. And they try to come off like, wow, look at all these people coming together when, in fact, it's, it's all part of it that people are afraid if they don't attend. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, and Charlene had these problems prior to this particular 2017 incident. She had resigned her union membership in 2013, and and basically she still had to pay fees to the union in order to keep her job. And she had to give up her workplace rights when it came to her ideological and religious rights. But you're exactly right, John. What the union did in this case was they used her money, her fees, and the fees of – and the union dues of other – members, and I'm using my finger quotes here, of the Transportation Worker Union Local 556 in Dallas, they used it for 20 union officials to attend that march. And they held a banner saying, you know, TWU 556 supports, you know, Planned Parenthood and supports the Women's March. And, and uh, you know, she objected to that. But you're right. They, they used union dues and fees and union revenue and used in treasury money to attend that march. And, yeah, it wasn't organic in any way, shape, or form. If they had to spend their own money, I suspect they might not have been there. Yeah, and and you hear that. You see it, folks, uh, actually a lot, especially in our region with the teachers' unions, where if there's one district that's having a problem, all these teachers from, you know, the the media will say, look at this, teachers came from these different areas to help them. And and then you find out behind the scenes that they, they weren't given a choice. They were told they had to go. Many times people are afraid of, you know, the blowback of what would happen with their position if they don't go. It's uh, it, it, from what they say to what what's going on in reality is very different, folks. And it is Mark Mix, National Right to Work. And Mark, if people want to learn more about this or just the organization, what's the best way for them to go about it? Yeah, John, they can find out about their legal rights in the workplace by going to nrtw.org, nrtw.org. That's the Legal Defense Foundation, and they can talk to an attorney about their rights in the workplace. If they want to know what's going on legislatively, they can go to the committee's website, which is www.nrtwc.org, and they can find out what's happening in, in your state legislature and what's happening in Congress and the types of fights we're battling right now trying to roll back this union-forced unionism power they've been granted in the federal law for so many years John. you know at some point i'd love you um we'll talk sometime either off air or but there's a, a big play that's happening right now we're um the the unions now they, they want to build uh mark as you can see where the economy is going right now and the price of building is is going up but i won't keep you but so they uh they came up with this they want to build the most expensive minor league soccer stadium in the country <laughs> and they would build it in rhode island it would be a pla slapped on a public labor yep. agreement no bid uh the the day that the vote went through now this is a minor league 
team, which would be 20 miles from where the professional team plays, which is the uh, New England Revolution. They play actually at Gillette Stadium owned by Bob Kraft. And they draw maybe, you know, maybe that stadium obviously holds 65,000 people. Maybe they draw 15,000 fans per the professional soccer team. This would be 20, 20 miles down the road, minor league. And on the same day that the sitting governor received the endorsement from the AFL-CIO, he was the tie-breaking vote. This stadium initially was supposed to be, you know, like $60 million. The price of the, the costs have already gone to $150 million. And the governor, with his tie-breaking vote, voted to go ahead with the stadium, even though there's no support for nothing that shows that this would be successful. But, Mark, this is an example people don't get. This is his gift to labor in order to get the endorsement with it. Hey, if you're at the labor unions and the AFL-CIO, this is a no-bid, most expensive soccer, minor league soccer stadium in the country, and, and you don't have you know opportunities to build 10 of them. So this is really just done as like a gift to labor. Absolutely. I'd be glad to talk with you about that, John. And, you know, we have to say no other words than big dig to understand the implications right. of project labor agreements. I mean, check out the check out the the mass transit system in Honolulu. There's been stories breaking over weeks about a project that's 11 years overdue and it's over budget by you know, 140 million dollars because it's a project labor agreement and it limits competition. Yep. And it does give these unbelievable favors to union bosses in the building trades and basically keeps 86% of all construction workers from competing on these jobs because they don't have a union card. Yeah. One last yeah. word on it. I will, we'll talk about, it. but of course, like everyone's scratching the head, boy, this doesn't make sense. Boy, <laughs> you know, this isn't going to, of course it doesn't make sense. Cause that's not what it's about. That's about handing them this type of gift. Again, folks, it's Mark mix Mark, Excellent as always. And we'll talk to you again. All right. Thanks, John. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.